Hello and welcome to Saird's Audio Fan Fictions. I'm Saird. Thanks for tuning in. In today's episode, we will be continuing on with part four of the Joy in the Midst of These Things series, entitled To Believe with Certainty, We Must Begin with Doubting, by Glitter Bombshell. Summary Everything seems to be falling into place in the cloud recesses. Wei Wuxian thinks he might actually have a lasting truce with Lan Qiren. He's getting along well with the teacher that Lan Qiren wishes him to replace. Lan Sejui and Lan Jingyi are even helping him get his sleeping schedule in order. He didn't ask for their help, but that's besides the point. Wei Wuxian is preparing to officially start teaching in the cloud recesses. It all seems to be going well. There is no looming disaster on the horizon, nothing that needs his attention besides getting ready to be the best instructor for his students that he can. Everything is good. It's all... It's all so good. And it's going to stay that way this time. Right? Rated? G for general audiences. Main relationships. Lan Wanji, Wei Wujian, Lan Jingyi, Lan Sijui. Additional tags include Fluff and Angst. Fluff, Angst with a Happy Ending. Emotional Hurt Comfort. Trauma and Recovery. It was originally published June of 2020 and is complete with four chapters. Right, with all that out of the way, let's get to it. Happy listening! Chapter 1 Wei Wuzhen is not ashamed to admit he is nervous when he goes to keep his appointment with Lan Qiren at the Healer's Pavilion. He will never admit he is nervous out loud. But judging by Lan Zhen's level, unimpressed look when he brightly, perhaps too brightly, proclaimed that there was no need for his husband to escort him, Lan Zhen had not been fooled. It would have been easier to let Lan Zhen accompany him, certainly. He doesn't know what precipitated Lan Qiren's sudden kindness. His brisk, slightly impatient, extremely terrifying kindness. But he's wary of testing the old master's goodwill especially seeing how much it meant to Lan Zhen to witness them actually getting along for once. Still, this is something he must do alone. If... If Lan Qiren is truly serious about allowing Wei Wuzhen to teach in the cloud recesses, if he truly means for Wei Wuzhen to assume such an important position as instructing the novice class, Wei Wuzhen cannot keep using his husband as a buffer. He will not be rude. He will not do anything too deliberately outrageous. But if he and Lan Qiren cannot function around each other without Lan Zhen's calming presence, then there is no way Lan Qiren's proposal will work. And oh, how he wants this proposal to work. It surprises him how much he wants it. He is content with this second life he's been gifted with. It's true. More than content. This life, with his son at his side, 
with the respect and affection of the rest of the juniors, with the still tentative but slowly growing bond he's forming with his nephew, with the knowledge that his best friend is making his own way in the world, learning to stand as his own person outside Wei Wu Zhen's shadow, with the incredible, unfathomable love of his husband. It's all so much more than he ever could have asked for. So much more than he knows he has any right to ask for. Still, he would be lying if he said the idea of having a true purpose again, some way to make a difference in the world, is not appealing. And the children? He's only properly known the littlest lands for a few days, and he already feels such affection for them. The idea of being involved in their education on a more permanent basis? Doing so with Len Chiren's full consent, no less. Even if it only lasts until someone more suitable can be found among the land cultivators currently assigned elsewhere. He wants to do this. Very much. Even if it means waking up at the ungodly hour, he will have to in order to be ready for a class that begins at seven in the morning. He arrives at the healer's pavilion just a few minutes after the bell tolls for the afternoon study period. Both Lantiren and the head healer, he knows her name, he knows he knows her name, but damned if he can remember it, are waiting at the door for him. There is a small part of him that is expecting Lantiren to start scolding him, even though he is definitely not late. To his surprise, though, his husband's uncle merely gives him a grave nod of acknowledgement, without a hint of the undercurrent of barely restrained hostility that usually colors their interactions. The absence is somewhat shocking, if he's being honest. He bows in greeting, rising to find the healer's eyes flicking up and down his frame with a brisk, no-nonsense air. She sniffs. Still too thin, I see, she says, pinning him with a sharp glare, as though he's done something to personally offend her by not being plump as a nesting hen. Ah, now he remembers why he doesn't remember her name. It usually takes him a good week or two of exposure to fix someone's name in his mind if he doesn't see them often. He's been studiously avoiding the healer's pavilion and most of the land healers since he and Lan Jen arrived back in the cloud recesses for the winter. Really studiously avoiding them. It's not that they're unkind or even wary around him. If anything, their unflinching professionalism has been very refreshing after the suspicion and anger he'd been greeted with once everyone realized who he was. It's just that, well... Lan Jen had insisted on him seeing the healers directly after the events at the temple. The head healer had poked and prodded his still sore neck, tisked over the still tender flesh of his belly where Jin Ling had stabbed him, and then spent nearly an hour checking his meridians and poking and pinching at his stomach, his hips, his arms and wrists, before proclaiming him far too underweight for his height and suffering from prolonged exhaustion besides. She'd been right, of course, but that was besides the point. She didn't have to say it where Len Jen could hear. There they'd been, newly married, 
All right, perhaps still missing their third bow, but really he was willing to consider that a mere technicality at that point. And his husband would barely touch him except to try and encourage him to eat more or lie down. For a week! It was also completely besides the point that he had actually spent the first few days after the temple mostly sleeping. And then napping. And then eating something light and yet filling that Lan Jen plied him with before sleeping some more. And then waking up to find Lan Jen sitting on the edge of the bed, just gently stroking his fingers through Wei Wu Zhen's hair and staring at him with a heartbreaking mixture of worry, relief, and so much love in his eyes, like he couldn't quite bring himself to believe that Wei Wu Zhen was really here, that he was never leaving again, and... What point was he making again? Do I need to have someone go over the basics of a healthy diet with you, Mr. Wei? The head healer asks, and though the brisk, professional tone that Wei Wujian so appreciates keeps the words from sounding scornful, he is all of a sudden viscerally reminded of that time he and Jiang Cheng got caught sneaking cakes meant for a banquet Uncle Jiang was hosting from the kitchens. All right, forget whatever point he was making. His new point is that the land sex head healer is terrifying, and he definitely doesn't want to get on her bad side. <laughs> he chuckles nervously. No, no, that that won't be necessary, Healer Lan. This one will take more care in the future. The healer hums neutrally, her sharp black eyes giving him another once-over before she clicks her tongue. See that you do. I would hate for someone to mention it in front of his excellency, she says primely. Teacher Len is waiting for you in the receiving room. I trust that I don't have to remind either of you to cut this visit short if he seems to be straining himself. She phrases it as a question, but it is clearly not. This time, the visceral reminder is not of the many cooks who chased him and Zheng Cheng out of the kitchens of Lotus Pier. This time, the past clouds his vision with memories of a voice just as sharp, but laced with kindness that its owner only ever showed to people who meant something to her. He almost hunches his shoulders in anticipation of a small, strong hand lashing out at him with her glittering needles. He forces the memories of his friend aside, manages to nod mutely as Healer Lan's eyes fix on him again. She nods once to herself and bows to them both before turning back into the pavilion proper and vanishing down a hallway. Wei Wujian resists the urge to fidget with his sleeves like some scolded child. Did she really just threaten me with Lan Jen? He cannot help wondering aloud, and cannot hide his surprise when Lan Chiren snorts in amusement. Be grateful that is all she threatened you with, he mutters. Wei Wujian waits for him to say more, but he merely strokes his beard once, then gestures for Wei Wujian to precede him into the pavilion. Lang Guihang is indeed waiting for them in one of the small side rooms set up for people to visit with patients who are well enough to be out of bed. Wei Wujian surrenders his snow-dusted cloak to a waiting member of the staff and sits down at the table across from the elder teacher his posture every bit as perfect as Lan Chiren's. 
and accepts the tea he has offered with a friendly smile. He is prepared to be questioned by Lang Guihang, prepared to have to defend his capabilities, prepared to be questioned on any matter of cultivation methods. He's even a little bit prepared for Lan Chiren to decide halfway through this meeting that he doesn't want Wei Wuzhen anywhere near the novices after all, that this was a mistake. He is not prepared to decide he likes Lan Guihang in less time than it takes him to finish his first cup of tea. He is not wrong in his expectations. Lan Guihang is clearly feeling him out. The old man asks him all manner of questions about his own training and his duties at Lotus Pier. However, he does it in such a manner that the questions don't feel at all invasive or accusing. He seems to have a sixth sense about when his line of questioning starts to dig up memories that are painful, and deftly changes the subject. He does not shy away from the topic of Wei Wuzhen's past, his infamy as the Yiling Patriarch, but nor does he dwell on it. Wei Wuzhen finds himself answering honestly about his demonic cultivation, whether and when he still uses it, only when there is no other choice and even then only sparingly. Lan Chiren stiffens, but he knows his husband has been just as honest with his uncle about Wei Wuzhen's abilities. Speaking with Lan Guihang, he thinks he can see what sort of teacher he must be, what values and morals he has been instilling in the youth of the land sect for longer than Wei Wuzhen has been alive, in either life. Here is a man who values structure, but understands the value of freedom, who tempers his discipline with kindness, who loves learning above all else, and only wants the very best for his students. Wei Wuzhen thinks he sees how such a teacher might have helped produce all the lands he loves and cares for. Listening to him talk about his students, Wei Wuzhen is put in mind of a faithful gardener, carefully tending every precious bloom with just the right mix of care and support for it to become its very best. He can understand how all the little quirks and traits of the people he holds in his heart must have been encouraged and validated in this man's classroom. His Ayun's sweet curiosity, his brother-in-law's kind gentleness, his Lan Jen's firm sense of righteousness, and even his sly dry humor. Lan Jing Yi's everything. Wei Wujian didn't know that Lan teachers could be like this. Perhaps if he'd been studying with someone like Lan Guihang, his first day in the cloud recesses might have lasted longer. By the time the tea runs dry, he and Lan Guihang are chatting like old friends. They fall into a discussion about curriculum, making plans for Wei Wujian to return to the Healer's Pavilion over the next few days to firmly plan out at least the first month. When Wei Wujian glances over at Lan Chiren out of the corner of his eye, he is startled to see that his husband's uncle looks almost pleased as he listens to them. Towards the end of the conversation, he even contributes a few suggestions that will help Wei Wuzhen's class run more smoothly at first. It's nearing the end of the study period when one of the healers, thankfully not the one who had so pointedly greeted him, comes in to tactfully start shooing him and Lan Chiren out so that Lan Guihang may rest. 
Weiwujen rises, returns Lang Guihang's warm, friendly smile as he bows to the old teacher. As he turns to leave, though, Lang Guihang reaches up to lay a hand on his wrist. Thank you for coming to see me today, young Master Wei, Lang Guihang says quietly. I want you to know that I am much reassured in speaking with you. I believe you will be good to my students, and good for them. Wei Wuzhen has to swallow around the lump that tries to rise in his throat. He coughs and bows again. It is my honor, Teacher Lan. I will do everything in my power to justify your belief. He exits the healer's pavilion and takes his leave from Lan Chiren. This may be the longest stretch of time he and his husband's uncle have gone without antagonizing each other. Lan Chiren seems as reluctant to test their newfound truce as he is, and so he merely wishes Wei Wuzhen a good afternoon and turns down the path that will take him back to the classrooms, flicking his sleeves into order as he goes. Wei Wuzhen stands on the quiet path for a few moments, just listening to the, subdued, it must be said, noise of the student disciples returning to their classrooms. Lan Chiren had not gone back on his offer. He had met whatever criteria Lan Guihang had for his replacement, had the old teacher's blessing even. Next week, one of those classrooms will be his. He will have students. Lan Xin, Lan Mingji, Lan Chen Li, all of those baby juniors he was so taken with that day in the library and since will be his responsibility. He presses his hand to his chest, wondering that his heart doesn't burst free of him for how much joy he feels. There is still much to be done, much has to be prepared for. But for now, he lets himself just be happy. And if there is a thread of nervousness running through him, a current of unease that shivers under that bright happiness, that is to be expected, isn't it? Isn't it? Chapter 2 Anjan, Anjan, how could you? I thought you loved me. Wei Ying's voice is a pitiful moan, cracking on the last word as though he is a hair's breadth away from tears. He stares up at Lan Wenji, betrayal in his eyes, lips pursed in a tempting pout. Lan Wenji raises a single eyebrow. You asked me to begin waking you earlier, he says blandly. Lies! Lies and slander! Lan Jen! How could my husband malign me so? My Lan Jen has turned so cruel. This is torture. His husband presses his hand over his heart, screwing his eyes shut in pretended pain. Lan Wenji shakes his head, a small smile twitching at the corners of his mouth, at his love's antics. It is nearly 8.30. Wei Ying pauses in his dramatics, cracking one eye open. I'm not making you late for anything, am I? Abandoning his loose-limbed sprawl to sit up properly in their bed. A familiar wave of affection crests in Lan Wenji's heart, warm and deep and steady as the ocean on a calm day. 
No, he says. I have no meetings or urgent matters scheduled for the day. The, for once, is not stated, but certainly implicit. There is some correspondence I must attend to, but I had thought to leave that for after lunch. Ah, good, good, Wei Ying says, his mouth curling into the sly smirk that Lam Wanji could spend hours chasing with his lips. Then you have time to wake me up properly. He flops back onto the pillow, his sleeping robe falling artfully open down to nearly his navel in a move that can only be deliberate. And normally, Lam Wenji would be all too happy to take such an invitation. He cherishes the nights he gets to spend with his love, wrapped around each other so tightly their breath mingles and their heartbeats echo in his ears. It would be untruthful to say, though, that he does not miss the first whirlwind weeks of their marriage. Before he was called upon to take up the mantle of chief cultivator, when he could simply devote all his attention to Wei Ying and the incredible, unbelievable miracle of his return. Once Wei Ying had sufficiently recovered from the events at the temple, he had devoted himself fully to making up for lost time, to replacing the memory of those endless, empty, lonely years with the feel of Wei Ying's skin beneath his fingertips, the slide of their mouths against each other, the breathless gasp of his name tripping off Wei Ying's tongue, the way Wei Ying slotted so perfectly into his arms as if he had always been meant to be there. He misses those days when they only had each other to focus on, and perhaps someday he will lay his responsibilities aside and they can return to those days, at least for a while. For now, though, Wei Ying... Sidri and Jingyi asked you to join them for sword practice today. Immediately, Wei Ying sits up again, his brow furrowing. Ugh, was that today? He stumbles out of bed and begins trying to force his hair into some kind of order, muttering to himself about the inhumane nature of rising at such an early hour, and grumbling about juniors with too much energy for it to be healthy, in between wide, jaw-cracking yawns. Lam Wanji watches him fondly for a moment, before taking his husband by the shoulders and guiding him over to the table. Their breakfast is waiting, kept warm and steaming on the tray brought by the kitchen staff. It is a scandalously late breakfast by the standards of Gusulan, but he thinks it's probably best to ease Wei Ying into the necessary routines of the teaching staff in the cloud recesses. Not that his love isn't perfectly capable of rising on his own at the, ahem, inhumane hours of the sect. Wei Ying likes to laze, but he is not actually lazy. But there is no sense in making the process more unpleasant than it has to be. Eat, he says, before returning to their sleeping area and grabbing a comb and one of Wei Ying's red ribbons. He settles by his husband's side and bats his hand away from the knotted nest that last night's activities left his hair in. Ah, my Lan Jan is so good to me, Wei Ying sighs. 
He tucks into a dish of steamed buns as Lam Wenji gathers his hair together and begins working out the tangles with gentle hands. Weiying chats animatedly as he wakes up, flitting from topic to topic as is his wont. Lam Wenji lets the sound wash over him, an almost meditative peace filling him as he strokes the comb through his husband's hair, basks in the weight of his husband's body against his side. Wei Ying takes another bun and just holds it, occasionally passing it back over his shoulder for Lan Wenji to take bites of as he works. Improper. Indecorous. Shamelessly indulgent behavior, really. Wei Ying looks over at him as he finishes tying his love's hair up, smiles that sunlit smile as he leans up to kiss the corner of Lan Wenji's mouth. And Lam Wenji can only be grateful that he gets to be so shamelessly indulgent with this man. They finish their breakfast, quietly discussing their plans for the day. Will you be eating your midday meal with Teacher Lan again? He asks as they linger over a second cup of tea, waiting for their son to arrive at the Jingshu. Wei Ying has spent most of the past few afternoons with Lan Gui Hung in the Healer's Pavilion, discussing plans for the transfer of classes to Wei Ying's care. It pleases him greatly that his love seems to be getting along so well with the old teacher. Certainly the favor of one so respected in the clan can only make Wei Ying's transition easier. But more than that, it pleases him any time Wei Ying is able to find someone who sees his value, sees Wei Ying, and not the Yiling Patriarch. Wei Ying has friends in the cloud recesses. More friends, honestly, than Lan Wenji himself had even realized at first. The juniors love him dearly. Even the few who had been wary when his identity was revealed had quickly fallen back under his husband's charm but he had also found friendly faces among the staff and servants, and even a few of the senior disciples. There does seem to be a strict generational divide. Generally, it is those around Sidri's age, a few years older and a few years younger, who are most willing to see his husband for who he is, not what he was. Among the older generation, even, there are some willing to see how much the manipulations of Jing Guayo and his father affected some of the worst choices that Wei Ying made. Not all of them, though. It pains Lan Wenji more than he will ever admit to know that there are so many among his clan who only tolerate his husband's presence because they have no other choice. It pains him more to know that there is so little he can do about it. Those who still hold those views of his love are smart enough not to move against Wei Ying openly, and he cannot order people to like his husband. Even if he could, it would not be right to do so. This is a problem that only time can solve. Time and patience. Now, at least, he has more reason to hope that it can be solved. In all his wildest imaginings, he had never thought that Uncle would ever come to accept Wei Ying. Once his love had returned to him, it had been his greatest sorrow, 
that the man who had raised him, the man who had shaped him into who he was, could not find peace with the choice Lamwenji's heart had made. He had resigned himself to it as best he could, let go of the disappointment and the sadness. He thought he could learn to live with uncle's disappointment. He knew he would never be able to learn to live without Wei Ying. Not again. So it stunned him when uncle asked Wei Ying to take over instruction for the novice class. For a single, irrational moment, he'd actually wondered if he was dreaming the entire evening. When he realized that his uncle was serious. He cannot say that uncle and Wei Ying are getting along. He cannot say that they are on completely friendly terms. But they are cordial to each other in a way they have never been before. The possibility of them getting along, and not only for his sake, exists now in a way it never has before. Hmm? Wei Ying says, slumping a little to prop his elbow on the table and rest his chin on his hand. He laughs brightly at Lam Wenji's pointed look, but straightens again. Uh, no, I think I meant to see the seamstress today. Lam Wenji's brow furrows. Weren't you meant to see them yesterday? A strange look flits over Wei Ying's face. One Lam Wenji cannot quite identify before it's gone. I forgot, his husband says, a touch sheepishly. He laughs again, not quite as bright and carefree as before. It's been so long since I needed a new set of robes. <laughs> he sips at his tea, and his smile turns flirtatious. Is my Lan Jen so eager to see me in Gusulan colors again? He pictures his husband, his bright, beautiful Wei Ying, dressed in the soft shades of blue and white that will mark him as one of the clan's teachers, and finds that he must suddenly swallow against a dry mouth. Whatever that image may have led to is interrupted by a soft knock at the Jingxi's door, and the muted sounds of their son talking to Lan Jingyi. Wei Ying gulps the rest of his tea down and loops his arms around Lan Wenji's neck, pulling him close and kissing him soundly before he rises. They know they're not actually going to tire me out doing this, right? I'm not a toddler, he says, his face going soft and fond as it always does when any mention is made of their son. They only wish to help, he says, rising as well. Wei Ying sniffs theatrically, placing a hand over his heart. I know, he sighs. My Lan Jen and my boys. So good to me. So kind and good. Lan Wenji cannot help but catch him by one hand, raising it to his lips and pressing a soft, reverent kiss to the center of his palm. It is only what you deserve, he says. He walks with his husband to the door watches him bound off towards the training fields with Sijui and Jingyi in tow, his voice raised in exuberance as he talks, one arm slung about each boy's shoulders. In the face of his husband's happiness, 
it is easy to set aside that single, fleetingly strange expression that had darkened his love's eyes. It is only later that he realizes he should not have done so. In a gesture of some morbid, cosmic humor, that realization comes with a beautifully engraved invitation from Lanling. Well, that's it for this episode. I hope you've enjoyed. This has been Chapters 1 and 2 of To Believe with Certainty, We Must Begin with Doubting. Written by Glitter Bombshell. Narrated by Saird. Theme music, Spirited Away. Please be sure to tune in next time for Chapters 3 and 4. Also, just a quick reminder, all fics, once completed, are compiled into a single complete audiobook for you to download. They can be found on my website, sardsaudiofanfics.com, as well as my AO3 profile page under Sard. the links for which are in the description below. There, you'll also find links to the SAF YouTube page as well as my new streaming channel, The Library, found on Twitch and YouTube where I read Don May every Monday and Wednesday evening. Our current read is entitled Married Thrice to Salted Fish by Bika B. Even if you haven't heard of it, I strongly recommend you come and check it out. It is very, very good. It actually surprised me with how good the story is. We are currently, as of this airing, up to chapter 47, but all of the previous episodes and previous chapters can be found on the library's YouTube channel. Links are in the description. If you have a moment, I would love it if you pop on over to like, subscribe, and follow. I am always updating with new content, and I would love to see you there. Once again, thank you so much for joining me, and until next time, happy listening. In business, you rarely hear the expression, for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 Weight Loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to Awaken180WeightLoss.com.